Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for Sunday, September 8th, 2019. And uh, we are coming to you not live from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Uh, if you hear loud booms behind us, it'll be because uh, we're in the middle of getting struck by lightning. So, uh, Ouch! I, I feel like, though, we're we're fairly disconnected enough from the grid that we, you and I at least both should be fine. I like to say that we're well-grounded. Ah! <laughs> dad joke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's double bad when it's coming from a father. Right? Yep, yep, yep. Oh, I knew you were going to go there. Actually, if you weren't going to go there, I was. Someone uh, so, <laughs> so, better, better, better uh, you than me. That way I can um, uh, roll my eyes on audio which mm-hmm. isn't very effective but uh but yeah so uh we are uh we're, we're post labor day now and uh we're we're kind of like i feel like the season kind of changes there's a little bit yeah. it's not it's not like a hard left or a hard right but we just kind of start veering kind of towards more of a uh more of a a, a a different style in the season and kind of we're we're leaving hebrews uh behind yeah. we start uh um uh, kind of wrapping up our time in luke uh, we're kind of getting ready for something. Is there is that is that like a, a, an intentional thing in the season, or, or is yeah. it just so happened that way? No, it's it is wrapping up Luke, trying to hit some of his major points before we leave him for the liturgical year, and it actually is heading towards Advent. As much as um, many of my friends and family get a little nutty by Christmas about hearing Christmas carols at Halloween, by that point in the liturgical year. We are beginning to hear Adventy gospel readings, which right. are not about Christmas. They're instead about the end of the world. So it's not exactly holly jolly, <laughs> but it's Adventish. <laughs> right, exactly. There you go. Uh, Since so, Advent used to be much longer. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, a, 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 kind of more of a, an, an equal uh, in length to time after Pentecost, uh, No, roughly? equal in length. To Lent. Okay. So kind of, kind of a 40-day prep yeah. period. Gotcha. And That's we, what it used to be. Gotcha. Very good. Well, um, if there's no objections from the crowd, we'll move on to um, our Stump the Priest uh, word of the day. Uh, and today's word is abjuration. Say it again, please, and use it in a sentence. Uh, <laughs> abjuration, as in a word that Bruce might not know. Abjuration. A B J U R A T I O N. I'm drawing a blank on being to form it in Latin in my brain, so better just save me. It's a uh, it, it, it ties into uh, last week's uh, word, which all de- dealt with uh, heresies and yeah. and uh, schisms. And abjuration is a solemn renunciation of a, any belief, thing, or person to which one was previously loyal. This formal retraction of errors made before witnesses often concerned matters of apostasy, heresy, or schism. Prior to 1972, this solemn disavowal was required of baptized Christians being received into the Roman Catholic Church. The Greek Church has required particular forms of abjuration by which former members of other churches must specifically disavow certain beliefs of their previous faith community. The Episcopal Church has no such requirements for persons being received from other denominations. Which is probably why I don't have an everyday knowledge of it. Right. <clears throat> there, is, there is something like that that has to happen for clergy that are switching denominations into the Episcopal Church. Mm. Um, I guess it's technically not that 
same action since they since I'll trust the website that's correct that the Episcopalians don't do that sort of thing. But I know there is a certain amount of you got to say you're really Episcopalian rather than you just want to wear a collar and get to celebrate the Eucharist. Sure, which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you should you should uh, if you're going to be uh, the, uh, the one of the uh, figurehead types of uh, the church or or an individual uh, parish, um, one would want you to be on the same page. Yeah, which yeah, so it makes total sense. Yeah, so for since I always go off in one little tangent or another on the word part uh, of the podcast, for often what happens for clergy that are coming from particularly Protestant um, traditions, so usually all, now I say that also Roman Catholic is. Uh, being required to do a year of study on the Anglican and Episcopal traditions. Right. Um, and seminaries often have a uh, set studies course for clergy making that transition because it is so common. Right. Many, many clergy come to the Episcopal Church from other traditions, and it helps keep us vital and fresh. And in a way, it's not... not uh... That word seems, uh, uh, it it's almost feels like a very abrupt, a cutting off, a, right. a, a disownment almost. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the, the, in the spirit of, of that, as you pointed out, like a clergy go through this, if they want to you know, switch from one to the other, uh, something similar to it, uh, as laity, as, as lay people, we have a little bit more of a softer landing. Oh, sure. We go through, uh, um, we go through a, a preparatory time where... We study up and we learn a little bit about, um, you know, church his history and where the Episcopal Church lands on a couple of uh, different things. But in no way, shape, or form does it require you to, you know, take a vow or, right. or you know, say, like, I 100% absolutely agree with it. Because in some ways, that's really not the Episcopal Church that we know and love. Which in is, most ways, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, here are, like, few pillars of, of, of mm -hmm. thought and Beyond that, everything is fair game. So. Yeah, yeah. Again, those different perspectives coming into the church from lay people helps enliven sure. us and enrich us. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so that was the word of the day. Uh, thanks for being stumped by it. Uh, <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> uh, so we will move on then to our readings. Uh, mm -hmm. The Today's first reading we were going to find in Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. See, I have set before you today life and pro prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you to do today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare, declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him, for that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Um, Deuteronomy, pretty old book. Yep. One of the originals. Uh, this is this is uh, 
This is a Torah book, isn't it? Is yeah, it not? It's, so. it's one of the top five. It's in the first five. Top five greatest hits. Sure. Top five greatest hits of biblical teachings. And it's um, set with within the story, so to speak, as one of the oldest books. Mm -hmm. But we know it's it's not as old as some other pieces of the Bible. Um, that It was heavily um, edited and put together. Uh, later than say the Book of Psalms, okay. Uh, but it was certainly part of an oral tradition. It was part of the um, self identity of mm -hmm. the Jewish people. Um, so it's one of I think it's one of the easier books to read because it has a very nice grammatical structure, mm -hmm. um, and that kind of betrays that's uh, betrays that's not one of the most ancient texts. Gotcha. Yeah, it it um, now to me it almost reads as a as a uh, th this is you, you have two choices here. <laughs> this is a one or the binary. Other. It's a very binary uh, 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 option that's put before the reader. Um, uh, do this or die, which is pretty pretty uh, pretty harsh, uh, pretty stark contrast there. Sorta. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell me more. More and words, please. It, one of the reasons I, I love this passage is that it's very explicitly blessings and curses. Mm -hmm. And you may remember from the last podcast. I was going to get to that. Yeah, <laughs> that what, and when you see blessings and curses like this has, life and death and mm -hmm. that sort of thing, it means it's about covenant. It's about relationship. So... There's not an expectation of perfection, and it's not really as binary as it seems, because within the scripture, there is a comfort with the frailty of humanity. Okay. And so, yes, if you take this out of context, it's like, oh my goodness, live or die. Mm -hmm. But if you put it into context, it's, wow, God loves us so much. That if we enter into this relationship with God, we gain the universe. Right. Um, and, of course, we don't on a day-to-day -day basis. And in the same way, we don't die on a day-to-day -day basis. We, don't, we aren't struck down by lightning. Mm -hmm. But our life is less. Our life is diminished. Right. Our everyday life will be less meaningful, less happy. Um, and that's the meaning of the curses here. Gotcha. Um, so it's all about relationship. It's all about covenant with God. And anytime there's a covenant, there's always an expectation that it's not going to be completely filled mm, or mm -hmm. fulfilled. Um, and therefore, we, only, we need to have that in mind, that covenants are not a um, binary legal construct. Right. But instead, uh, an attempt of forming a relationship with, with the intent of having it last as long as the intention says, but an understanding that humans are frail and therefore there are going to be times where we trip and fall. Now let me ask or you. We even run away screaming. Yep. Yeah. I mean, as maybe, I do regularly. It may be very intentional that we walk <laughs> away from the covenant, but God still welcomes us back. Interesting. Well, uh, l let me ask you your opinion on something then, uh, because I feel like under the blessings and curses structure, yeah. uh, one would be more inclined to, uh, uh, within the cultural context, of to, to pay attention to what the blessing is 
specifically spelling out. And then kind of only background listening to what the curse is. Because just just because of the way that the, the structure works, like, okay, so so what is it that we're really saying? And then it, like that's the that's the blessing part. What are, what are we really talking about? And then uh, the curse would be kind of be like, okay, and like just roughly how severe are <laughs> how much or, of a plague are we talking? Right, right, right. <laughs> like because because you know uh, you know the you know if the, if this happens you know may I live for you know my my name live for many generations blah blah blah, blah. Uh, and if not uh, may may I be cursed? Okay, uh, that's a minor like it's it, or or like may the the, the children of my children's mm-hmm. children children's be cursed. Uh, you know, you kind of are kind of looking for severity or is your opinion that somewhere in the middle, the context is outside of both the blessing and the curse. And that's the important part. And you're kind of looking at the degree of severity of both. Um, um, Cause the, co- the covenant is probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's in the blessing, uh, but sometimes it's, it, it's, it's in the middle and then you kind of, well, Anything what I just said make any sense? I yeah. Okay. And and the part that does make sense <laughs> <laughs> is that yes, it, it would be very much part of human nature to listen to the blessings. Say, yeah, I want that. Sign me up. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a dimension in um, scriptural literary form where the curses tend not to be written down, so that no one accidentally invokes them by reading them out loud. Interesting. Okay. And that. You don't want to accidentally curse your audience by reading it out loud. There was, I mean, so there there's, was a belief that these things okay. were really strong. Yeah, so there's a little bit of a superstitious, uh, supernatural uh, feel to that. If you to were to degree, say, yeah, then you would invoke the curse, and it would be what self-fulfilling prophecy, or it would become true, or they would actually then by reading it, you become you actually are cursed in that way. Or, you, or, yeah, and it, it's. Um, yeah, you know, if you're sort of dozing during the reading of the scripture and you accidentally say "Amen," then you're pulling a curse onto yourself. Mm. And so you don't say the curse out loud. Keep everyone safe. Don't you know? Don't go near the open flame. So we won't we won't record it um, in the written text. But the blessing that'd be fantastic if you stumbled into it. So we will spell that out more. Gotcha. So often the the way it will turn out in the scripture form is something along the lines of, may this and so much more happen to me. Mm-hmm. And that's the code language of, oh, there's a lot of really bad stuff that had been described in that, that none of us want to cross our lips or go into our ears. Sort mm-hmm. of the old thing, you can't unring that bell. It'll give you nightmares, so let's just not say it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, that, that does make some sense. Yeah. Um, uh, it so the the in a, in, a, in another way too I guess uh, that also makes it seem as though like the the, the covenant is a private contract. It, it also kind no. of no okay <laughs> it's good. corporate. I'm very happy to uh, make this uh, say all the wrong things uh, to bring out the, the, the right answers. So uh, so it's so it is corporate. So yeah. this is this is public. Because I was going to say, like, uh, the, the terms of the contract are a little, you know, between, you know, give or taker and, and, right. and the, the agreement. But this is this is a yeah, that, let that, everyone be know, let everyone know that this exists. This is yeah. I'm glad you asked that because that's you know it's it it it's very natural both within our culture and within Protestant Christianity to think this is an individual dynamic. Mm-hmm. And and some people have applied it 
individually, uh, particularly this passage about choosing uh, life or death. Mm -hmm. But it, the covenant in Scripture is always corporate, that one person may be agreeing to it, but they're always agreeing on behalf of their family, their tribe, their nation. And I kind of always yeah. wondered about that because in reading some of the blessings and curses uh, uh, over the years, it, it always had seemed to me like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like how do your actual answer, you know, how does the rest of your family feel about you taking this on? <laughs> because uh, I, they might sit there and go, I didn't sign up for that. You yeah. know, I didn't say yes or anything. Did you consult me before right. you were like, may my, you know, yeah, may I, I and my family be cursed forever. And yeah. And that's, that's part of the mindset that's very foreign to us. Hmm. But um, in the, the world of the scripture, including for most of the New Testament, the Greeks were the ones who brought individualism into Western culture, hmm. and they predated Jesus. So it was coming into Judaism and Christianity, individualism. But really, for most of the scripture, there's a presumption of community and corporate. Hmm. Um, and so people would never think of a covenant being individual and all their life they would have been thinking what would my ancestors have done what would my descendants want i am responsible to both ends of those of that spectrum right um you know they're, huh. li they're living their sense of life um was one that transcended their own lifetime by generations and that's not a way we think at all so it it seems really weird it but that's that's the context. It does. It does seem very weird. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that was our delve into uh, the Deuteronomy. I'm sure, like many times, we could move on forever. Yeah. But uh, let's go to <clears throat> our second reading, uh, which is in the New Testament. And uh, just for clarification, Philemon, Philemon, uh, either one works. Phil. This is, <laughs> this is this a is person, your, though, right? This is your buddy, Phil. Yeah. Okay. So. So uh, here, here's a, a reading from the book To Phil. Of Phil? From Phil? To Phil? It's To Phil. From, okay. And this one uh, almost certainly is from the genuine historic Paul. Okay. So, so we're pretty confident about yeah. this one. Uh, what, what time? time Around time? Um, 50 AD. 50. Okay. So this is, this is one of the, just in thinking of the ones that we've discussed in the past, this is a little bit more younger no actually it's a little bit later than the other is it a little later because yeah. I, I was thinking of a uh, okay yeah the, uh, paul, i suppose i should paul take mentioned... your word for it <laughs> <laughs> well paul mentions rome within it and that, okay. was, that was at the end of his life i gotcha okay all right uh philemon uh the letter from paul to phil uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 21. And this is not a very long book, if I'm not mistaken. Right. How long How long of a book is this? 25 verses. 25 verses. So we're cutting on, we're, <laughs> we're shortcutting the last four. Yeah. Uh, so it's a single chapter uh, and 25 verses. And uh, we, we just Well, what we're missing end. is one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, as <laughs> I am hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. <laughs> By the way, I, I, I was checking TripAdvisor. Yeah. I'm planning on being in your area around, you know, November yeah. 15th. Love to spend sure. the holidays with you. Right, yeah. I got you. Okay. Uh, so Philemon, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 21, skipping uh, the I'm coming over for dinner part. Right. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus of Christ Jesus, 
and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus? Yeah. Ar sure, why not? Our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith towards the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed th through you, my brother. For this reason, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty. Yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love, and I, Paul, do this as an old man, and now as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child Onesimus? Ooh, maybe. That's pretty good. Whose father I have become during my imprisonment? Whose father I have become during my imprisonment? Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent, in order that you that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Uh, so this, more than I think anything else we've ever written, or read, right. read here, yeah. is written like a letter. Yeah. This very much feels like a short communique mm -hmm. between Paul and Philemon. So, um, rather than it having like this large philosophical feel to like this is the point that I mean to bring to you and your right. church and to you and others, this feels and here's like another one. Here's another one. Here's another right. one. Uh, or the same point three yeah. times in a row. Yeah, exactly. Um, this feels like a. You know, to my dearest Philemon, long, long are the nights these days, and you know how I, mm -hmm. I long for your company and blah blah blah. It, this feels like an actual letter, so yeah. it kind of stands out in that it doesn't have a giant philosophical point, and it doesn't have, um, you know, a recreation of the story of Christ yeah. or or even a recreation of any of the stories of the experiences, specific experiences of Paul. It's not right. telling a narrative. Um, it kind of begs the question: Why would why does this book, why does this Great. letter, uh, strike the the the, uh, the 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 fancy of the people of who decided what bi books go into the Bible? Why is this mm -hmm. elevated and chosen as like a? We want to include this. We want to 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 show this as part of our Bible. Variety of reasons. Um, and, and certainly more than we have time to go into. Part of it is that it's very, it is very personal. 
that it gives a certain insight into Paul's personality in a way that we wish we had for virtually any figure in the Bible. Mm. Um, We don't have this long a personal passage um, spoken by Jesus. Yeah. Um, Let alone any of the more, um, any of the prophets or anyone else in the Bible. So to have this insight into Paul's mind and heart is really almost startling. Uh, especially yeah, very. In, and you know, you've heard me say so many times, well, maybe this was written by Paul, maybe this wasn't, and there's this nuance in this context. This one's, this small book of the Bible is sort of what you see is what you get in a wonderful way. Yeah. Of, wow, that's how Paul's mind works. Mm-hmm. That's how his heart works. That's how he tries to convince someone to do the right thing. Not by bossing him around, but by trying to appeal to the um, to Philemon's better nature. Right, and th- so that's one reason. The other reason is the fairly um, radical request Paul is asking for the freedom for this slave. So this was a slave. Yeah. Okay. So because sometimes you know, especially in the New Testament, the the word slave yeah. often it it's has has like a metaphorical metaphor. feeling yeah. or nature. So this was a literal slave uh, that he had kept with him, uh, and that was now returning to Philemon, kind of implying that he was once uh, a slave to Philemon's household. Or yeah. Okay. So at some point in time, the implication being at some point in time, Paul had spent time with Philemon and either mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, was given or uh, was, uh, took with him um, Onesimus as, a, as, as a, a slave to his household, and, and he helped him in everywhere that, that, that Paul was going and, and spreading the word of, uh, of, of God. Does it also imply that Onesimus uh, was... Like it almost kind of implies that, like, hey, I'm currently jailed, and uh, I'm going to send him back to you because it does him no good to be with me, even though he gives me comfort. Uh, So I, I, like, what is like, what's the story here? I'm, I'm kind of, kind of curious as to. Well, two things. One is Onesimus became a Christian. Okay. Under Paul's mentorship. And so part of what Paul is writing about is how that has changed who who Onesimus is, and therefore he should have a different status, a a better status, when he returns to Philemon. There's also, um, some have wondered if what Paul's asking for between the lines is for a letter back from Philemon saying, oh my he can stay with you. Mm. Um, you know, you, I, your your letters moved me, and I I want him to stay with you, so he continue can continue to take care of you while you're in prison. So that's a possibility. But the the big thing, the biggest teaching within it, is the shifted status that Onesimus has, and therefore the person in power in the form of Philemon should recognize that even though it's a financial loss to Philmont to no longer have this person 
as, um, as a slave, but instead this person will be essentially a partner, uh, a partner in ministry with hmm. Philemon and his church, and perhaps legally will, will remain a slave. But at the time of Paul in the Roman Empire, slavery, slavery was seldom permanent, uh, but instead was um, always temporary. And mm-hmm. someone, and no one could be born into slavery. It was always something that you became as an adult. And so it could be that Paul's also implying, at the very least, that his status as a slave should be relieved and he should be switched to being a paid paid servant. Okay. So so this is this is he's he's uh he's petitioning uh uh, uh Philemon to to recognize the status change in him and and restore him to uh, perhaps a, a a position that he previously held previously held before he became yeah. a slave or maybe even elevate above uh, to to a position above what he was uh, before, right? Uh, but either way, to to identify that his time as a slave, he he has he's earned his badge as it is, and 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 he he, he it, it's time to 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 recognize that for him. Or perhaps more importantly, Philemon should see himself as well as a changed person in Christ, mm. and therefore should not have slaves. Could be, yeah. Should pay anyone who's working for him. It's very interesting. Uh, like I said, uh, this this more than anything else seems uh, as though you really are a fly in the wall between yeah. a private conversation. Uh, and, and in that regard, also then feels a little bit more, I would say, a little less refined than right. than uh, some of the other than many of the other readings that we have, uh, including the Gospels and and the different books, mm-hmm. too, because those were, you know, th- those. Incredibly We're, carefully crafted. Not to say right. that his letters not carefully crafted, because I'm sure that he, you know, carefully considered his words to uh, Philemon, but that it it was it's it's a lot more raw. Yeah, I I, I feel like it, this is this is a you know, yeah. Um, there's there's no editor's hand right implied right. So uh, I find that fascinating. Yeah, I'm, me too. I I. I Wonder how many of you we have bored, uh, but uh, <laughs> I find that fascinating because that 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 in a way that makes this one of the more real readings that, yeah. that to me uh, one of the more real readings that we get a chance to to, to mm-hmm. read. So, um, all right, well that's that's an, that's enough for for Philemon because there's nothing left to that book. Oh, there's plenty more, but oh, there's there? only so much time in the day. Well, I'm saying like there, we. There's nothing more to read. We've literally covered oh. the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but in a skimmy light way. In, in a light way, way. <laughs> sort of way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's move on to Luke. Uh, uh, speaking of polished and refined. Uh, <laughs> yes. The, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verse 25 through 33. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, he, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down First, and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. 
If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Um, this is Jesus speaking. Right. Uh, but some of this is kind of... I, I struggle a little bit with, uh, with with some of this, just in that um, I'm trying to figure out exactly what you know what he's what he's trying to say, and maybe that's just uh, being tired. And, <laughs> and uh, but but today, as we sit here now, uh, th- that one kind of strikes me as okay. Um, you know, in one respect, you're saying don't start something unless you're willing to finish it. Uh, or, or, or yeah. to see it through, um, it is kind of uh, one of the points that that strikes me. But then, but it doesn't really. I don't know. I'm lost. It, it's guide me. Yeah, <laughs> it, these images I think are best experienced as almost well, no, not almost as things to meditate on rather than things to diagram or put in a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. That it's it's that they're designed to make us stop, like it has stopped you, mm-hmm. and say what? And often the best response we can make as Christians when that happens is to sit with that verse and see where the Holy Spirit takes us with it. Right. So. There isn't a single meaning for any, there isn't a single meaning for the whole wide world about building a tower. I mean, this this isn't a civil engineering course. Right. It's instead, what is what could this mean to me, to my community now, um, right now, not 10 years from now, not 10 years ago? Uh, and it will mean a different thing each day, perhaps. Right. Yeah, so it's kind of weird that way. Yeah. We're not used to meditative pieces in the scripture, well, even though they're there often there. Right. Uh, yeah, and the more that I sit with this, the more, like, to me, it's starting to say, um, when you decide to build a tower or you decide to wage war, you consider how it's going to affect you personally. Uh, and his point earlier in the verse of saying, you know, whoever does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple, is not so much to say you need to hate the people around you. Right. But to say that um, if what God calls you to do is not first and foremost, regardless of what it means to you as a personal boon or gain or benefit, then you're not going to be doing it right. Yeah. You're, you're going to be commingling uh, a call to action with your own, how, how it benefits you, and it, it, you won't be seeing, you know, my father's call to you uh, through honestly. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it is definitely one of those, like like I said, it kind of stops you in, the, in your tracks, and you're kind of like, wait, I don't know. I'm a little lost as to, like, number one, Luke, you got to stop telling me to hate people <laughs> who are in my like innermost circle. This is very jarring and uh, 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 disturbing. Um, it's but, terrible at the holidays, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but uh, um, it is. It, it, it's just. It, it's. 
I think maybe that goes then back to the countercultural right. uh, style that, uh, uh, at least at the very least, Luke's inter- uh, uh, ter- uh, terms of events and, and, and interpretation uh, seems to, to, to put into Jesus's words is that yeah. it's very countercultural, and everything is upsetting the apple cart as far as social structure and what you do and why. Yeah. And one of the things to think about in terms of the, the building the tower and waging war is even today, very few of us will ever have those dynamics come up in our life. Right. And in the time of Jesus, almost absolutely no one in a, his circle of listeners would have had those things come up in their lives. They, they would not have the option of waging war. They wouldn't have had the resources to build a tower. Mm-hmm. So they knew this was metaphorical. Gotcha. And and something that was supposed to make them stop and ponder, pray, think, feel. Um, so so literally, he calls for which of you uh, for which of you intending to do this, and like everyone would go, well, none of us would. Yeah, <laughs> ever for any reason. <laughs> not for that reason, just because that's not we us. Yeah, we. You know, we're we're not going to embark on a trip to Antarctica today. <laughs> right. Um, so this whole planning thing doesn't matter. That's an interesting point, though. So it really does put the mindset of the audience, like we need to remind ourselves of that. Like this this is not uh, like an instructional teaching that the the audience would have immediately connected with and like, oh, yeah, that's he's talking yeah. to me. Yeah. Like would this been, is immediately. Wait, why is he saying this? Right. Right. Wait, there, yeah. What, you know, we're all just above peasant class at best here. What the heck? Right. Um, especially since it says these were the large crowds. You know, this is not when he's in the temple. It's not when he was in an right. urban area. Not positions of power. Yeah. Not, not people with influence. This is... Yeah. This is these uh, are the farmers, shepherds, fishermen, um, housekeepers, nannies that were listening. So we know the second half was... And... To use the technical term. Mm-hmm. Right. And so oh, we uh. should apply that to the first part. Gotcha. Of people say people would have, for the most part, families. And for the most part, that was their only social safety net. Right. Um, perhaps their immediate community, if they lived in a good, tight, healthy village. Um, perhaps their worshiping community, which would probably be the same as their physical community. But... Jesus is is saying that pretty much what you what you said a few moments ago, you really do have to be ready to give up all of your preconceptions, all of your priorities, all of what you think God should be doing in order to follow God faithfully and accurately. Right. And I my aha moment just a couple of minutes just just a couple of seconds ago, if my face lit up, uh, was uh, in realizing who the audience was. The last verse there. So therefore, none of you can become my disciples if you do not give up all your possessions. The crowd there would have been closer to obtaining that. Right. Than leaders of the church, the right. leader of the Pharisees, you know, people of influence and power. Right. There would have been a number of people in the crowd go, that's like, that's like me now. Yeah. I, I don't have any possessions yeah. to give up. I'm being... You know, does that mean I'm being called? Does right. that mean I'm, you know, so this is really was, you know, in a, in, in a very potentially real way, Christ saying like, I'm talking to you. You're 
the leaders I'm looking for. Right. Not to say like, this, you know, you need to repent. You need to turn yourselves away from X, Y, Z. This is more of a, you know, those, those other people that you are not like, that's not who I'm looking for. Very well said. I'm looking for you. Yeah. This is a recruitment. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, they, they could have literally walked home, put their, put a bowl and a utensil into their shoulder bag and walked back. It's okay. Did it. Yep. Let's go. Ready to go. And Jesus would have said, great, let's go. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Another prime example of how we uh, have a tendency to internal, initially at least, internalize these readings and go, uh, well, this is what Jesus was saying to me, who has yeah. possessions and who, you know, lives in, you know, potentially one of the richest times of uh, yeah. of human history. Uh, I need to give give up, you know, all these things. That's really hard. Whereas the original audience would have been like, I don't have anything that's worth worthwhile now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it's it's one of those scenes that I would love to have seen Monty Python do. Where it's like, I'm already covered with mud. I'm already, right. you know, one blow short from being put on the cart of dead people. Right. And so, yeah, following Jesus right. is something I can do. And boy, is my life going to be better. I live in a house of stacked mud. What do I have to give away? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so... It, it does completely shift how this passage looks to us. There we go. All right. Well, with that, I think we'll give ourselves a close. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we really thank you very much for joining us. Uh, this your podcast for September 8th, 2019. Join us uh, 8 and 10 uh, uh, now that... Uh, on Sunday morning. On Sunday morning or middle of the week if you... If yeah, you have needs, come, come on by. Have come some on coffee. By. Exactly. It's, we're open. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll speak to you next week. Bye. Bye.